Happy Midsummer Scream, all you Holly weirdos. We hope that you're having a wonderful summer break. And whether you are still enjoying your break or returning home from break, we're still going to provide you some delicious Holly weird paranormal treats. So as you know, we unfortunately had to elongate our hiatus due to personal endeavors and other family affairs, but we didn't want to leave you hanging. So we decided to conjure up two episodes for you. Yes, you'll get a two-part episode of investigations and interviews that I conducted in haunted Louisville, Kentucky. But here's a better treat. If you're a Patreon member, you'll actually hear my interview and investigations of the Waverly Hill Sanatorium with the Newkirks, with Adam Barry and Shane Pittman, all who in which I was able to investigate this location while attending the Strange Escapes event hosted by Amy Bruni and Adam Barry of Kindred Spirits. Okay, but what are the two treats in this two-parter? Well, you'll join me in an audio walking tour and interview of two of Louisville's most haunted locations, the Sealback Hotel and Caulfield's Novelty and Costume Shop. Join me as we sit down with Patrick Rhodes, head of security, and the hotel's ghost whisperer of the Sealback Hotel. This place is so haunted that they named one of their employees the ghost whisperer because that's what he does. Not only does he protect the hotel, but he also protects and communicates with the hotel ghosts. Then you'll hop in my rental with me in part two as we take a ride to one of Louisville's gems, the Caulfield's Novelty and Costume Shop. What or who is haunting the staff here? Turns out there's five apparitions and a doppelganger. Yes, this place has everything from novelties to gag gifts, Halloween decor, and even a doppelganger. See, there's more to Louisville aside from whiskey, derby, and even hot chicken. Oh, which that is a separate episode all on its own. But don't worry, this two-parter has legends, history, and ghosts. So you know the drill, grab your salt lamp. And if you're over the age of 21, you want to grab that wild turkey whiskey because we're going to get Holly weird in Louisville, Kentucky, y'all. Kentucky, if I could write you a haunted love letter, let this episode be just that. Back in May of 2023, I took a big trip to attend Amy Bruni and Adam Berry's event of Strange Escapes, which was held at the Sealback Hotel, followed by an investigation at the Waverly Hills Sanatorium. When I first read about this, I jumped to the opportunity, bought my ticket and plane ticket, and just wanted to be surprised by what Louisville had to offer, because I knew that the city had a lot to share, and a lot of that was going to come from the dead. Now, before we go into the ghost stories, we must learn a little bit about Louisville's history, because it actually goes all the way back. It goes all the way back to 1778 to 1803 with the foundation and early settlement, brought to you by Colonel George Rogers Clark, who established the first American settlement in the vicinity of modern-day Louisville. Then we hit the early 1800s to the 1900s as the city enters its city development phase. It becomes the city of industry, but not only that, 
it becomes the city that actually became the military headquarters and a major union supplier depot for the American Civil War. And it was there within the 1800s where a lot of things were brought into light. The Kentucky Derby and Churchill Downs, the Louisville Slugger, and of course, one of the most expensive and famous songs in the world. It's the Happy Birthday song that was actually written by the Hill Sisters in 1895. But it doesn't end there. There's so much more. We enter the 1900s as we witness the Waverly Hill Sanatorium being opened in 1901. Between the 50s and the 60s, Louisville witnessed the Civil Rights Movement and the Great Riots of 1968, with a great boxing figure to emerge during this time, and that would be Louisville's own Muhammad Ali. And then by the 70s, Louisville becomes the first city to manufacture and produce a round of disco balls. Another interesting fact about the city, it's this old part, Old Louisville. Old Louisville is the third largest national preservation district in the United States, and it's the largest Victorian era neighborhood in the country. If you ever have a chance to visit, please take an Old Louisville walking tour throughout their Victorian district. It is a time warp. It will definitely take you back. It's nothing but beautiful balconies and terraces of this district's Gothic Queen Anne Victorian and Beaux-Arts mansions that take you back to a bygone era. And each house has a riveting story to tell you, along with many ghost stories and gossip of old money and even tales of true crime. But let's talk about these stories. A lot of them do derive from old Louisville and its outside parts. We can't forget about several of Louisville's famous ghost stories, such as the Lady of the Stairs of the First Church of Christ, Avery at the Pink Palace, the Ghosts of Waverly Hill Sanatorium, the Lady in White at the Peterson Dumontill House, followed by the Witch's Tree. And this is such an amazing and fascinating story because, yes, Louisville not only has whiskey and ghosts, they also had witches. Apparently, more than 100 years ago, there was a coven of witches who used to meet around this beautiful maple tree. And one day, the city officials decided to cut down the tree for a May Day festival. Well, this really displeased the witches, so they decided to curse the city. And exactly one year to the date of the city officials cutting down the tree, the city was actually devastated by a horrific storm and flood. And supposedly, during the storm, a bolt of lightning allegedly shot out from the storm onto the spot where the old tree had been. But then something weird happens. This very tall and awkward and crooked tree grew in its place, giving the witches their tree back. They were able to do their own practices and celebrations around this tree. And the tree still stands to this very day, right across from Old Louisville Central Park. People come from near and far to bring presents to the tree. Dolls, money, jewelry, anything. And to paying homage to the witches that once practiced around this tree. But not too far away lies a house, actually a mansion, that is known to be one of the most violent mansions in Louisville, Kentucky. And that is the Richard Robinson Mansion. This mansion was the site of a temporary grave that belonged to a very young Jamie Carroll, who was killed by a couple, Joseph Munt and Jeffrey Bannis, back in 2009. But before then, this house was actually supposedly a scene of an S&M club in the basement, 
Before then, many satanic rituals and sacrifices were conducted in this house. And even way before then, there was a supposed, a supposed exorcism that was conducted. But shortly after this home was built, it was turned into a sanatorium that had a doctor who would perform malpractices on his patients with tuberculosis. And let's just say that some of those patients came in and never came out. But we can't forget one of Louisville's famous cryptid, and that is the Pope Lick Monster, or the Goat Man, who is half man and half goat, and allegedly lives underneath a railroad trestle at Pope Lick Park. And what's more fascinating is that these are just some of the tales that old Louisville and Louisville, Kentucky has. There's so much more. But while I was on my trip there, I was able to sit down with quite a few other individuals who work in several other hotspots in haunted Louisville. We'll sit down with Patrick Rhodes, who's the head of security at the Sealback Hotel located in downtown Louisville. Patrick Rhodes has 20 years experience working out of this hotel as head night shift security. But not only that, Patrick also has another label underneath his belt at the Sealback Hotel. He's officially known as the Ghost Whisperer. Yeah, you got that right. This hotel is so haunted that it has its own head of security known as the Hotel's Ghost Whisperer. Not only does Patrick Rose has 20 years experience working in this hotel, but he has 20 years experience making communication with the apparitions that haunt this hotel. But before we sit with Patrick and learn about the ghost stories as he gives us this haunted tour throughout the building and its hotspots, let's learn a little bit about the Sealback Hotel, which is enriched in history and haunted history. You see, the Sealback is considered to be one of the most historical and even the most haunted places, not only in Kentucky, but quite possibly in the U.S. And here's why. Back in 1903, you have two brothers, Otto and Louis Sealback, who decided to come up with a grand idea. Let's create a very lavish turn-of-the-century Beaux-Arts Baroque Hotel. And with no sparring expense, these brothers went all out. They imported marbles, bronzes, hardwoods, and even linens and rugs from all over the world. Soon this hotel opens in 1905, and it was known to be the only fireproof hotel in the city, gathering in 25,000 visitors on its first day of opening. The hotel was so lush and so popular that the brothers began a 150-room addition in the fall of that same year. In 1907, the expansion was completed and included the famous Bavarian-style Rathskeller, decorated with rare rookwood pottery. And today, the Rathskeller remains the only surviving ensemble of its kind. It is certainly a time warp into a different era, most likely the 20s, as we head into the 20s and this location. So the grandest of hotels was quite famous with a lot of famous gangsters, notorious figures that included Lucky Luciano and Dutch Salch, who was known as the beer baron of the Bronx. But then you had the king of the bootleggers, George Remus, a Cincinnati mobster referred to as, you guessed it, the king of the bootleggers. And that's what he was. He got rich running whiskey northward during Prohibition. As a local gangster, he would spend time at the Sealback for business and pleasure. Writer F. Scott Fitzgerald, who also visited the Sealback for bourbon and cigars, was taken with the charismatic Remus. In fact, Remus became the inspiration for the title character of Jay Gatsby in The Great Gatsby. Now, when you think of the 1920s and you think of gangsters, you definitely think of Al Capone. And Al Capone was everywhere, even in California and even in Louisville. 
he had secret passageways in the sealback. Now, he used to frequent the sealback a lot for blackjack, poker, and bootlegging. He even had a little small alcove in the oak room where he would play cards, and you can actually dine in this alcove to this very day. The famous gangster even sent a large mirror from Chicago, which is still in the room today, so he could watch his back. The room even had two hidden door panels that led to secret passageways. And it is even rumored that the alcove and those passageways may be haunted, but we'll definitely touch that with Patrick Rhodes. Now let's touch on F. Scott Fitzgerald and The Great Gatsby, because this is also a really great slice of history. So while training for the army at a nearby Camp Taylor, F. Scott Fitzgerald used to take his weekend passes and travel to the Sealback Hotel to sip on bourbon and smoke on some cigars. His reputation of smoking and drinking and getting a little out of hand actually caused him to be banned at one point from the Sealback. But during his visits, Fitzgerald encountered gangster George Remus, who became the model for Jay Gatsby in The Great Gatsby. His experiences in the Sealback's elegant rooms inspired him to use the hotel as a model during the writing of The Great Gatsby. Fitzgerald chose the Grand Ballroom at the Sealback as the backdrop for Tom and Daisy Buchanan's wedding reception in his masterpiece. Even though the Sealback had seen a lot of light and successes in grand parties, it would also see a lot of death and darkness. Starting in July of 1936, you have what the newspapers called the death of Patricia Wilson, who we'll learn is actually not her real name. But according to these publications, back in July of 1936, Patricia jumped to her death down the hotel's number three elevator shaft wearing a long blue chiffon dress after her ex-husband was killed in a car accident on his way to meet her at the hotel. There are some people that believe that foul play was involved with her death or that she had fallen to her death or it could have been an accident. But ever since her death, the Lady in Blue's apparition has been seen, and the first account came out of 1986, when a chef from the Oakwood Room had noticed a woman in a blue dress and long, dark hair walk through the doors of an elevator. Not into the elevator, but right through the doors. Just shortly after his sighting, a maid had claimed that she had seen a woman come out of the elevators wearing that same dress, fitting the same description except that she could see through this woman. In 1992, Patricia Wilson's newspaper article on her death was connected to the Lady in Blue, since this was a reported and recorded death on the property back in the 30s. The apparition of the Lady in Blue grew so popular that it attracted many enthusiasts, ghost hunters, researchers, and even psychics to the location. With claims of making communication with the Lady in Blue, no one still got the name right except for Patrick Rhodes, who will sit down with us and tell us her story and his communication and relationship with the Lady in Blue. So let's sit down as we speak to Patrick Rhodes and learn more about the history and his background along with his ghost stories connected to the Sealback Hotel. Security officer on the second. I'm taking over the overnight. Uh, my story here, uh, born and raised here on this street. Uh, in my second career, I've been here at the Silbach for 16 years. Uh, my previous career is I'm a military man at the Leaving High School. 
So uh, my life is security. I'm a protector and anointed in that. And I was part of the best security team in the world, uh, United States Marines. So I'm a 20 year retired Marine. Uh, combat, American worldwide warrior, seen a lot in my life. Uh, but I'm very spiritual. Okay, so the way the tours run, I have to lay down a couple ground rules first. Now, you're welcome to take all the pictures you like, ask all the questions. Now, when I take people into the rooms, there's four different stops on the tour. When I take everyone in the room, I'm gonna cut up the lights, show everybody, show the architecture and the development in history. Then I will cut down the lights. So I know there's people here interested in ghosts. So I'm gonna share stories along uh, the tour. Uh, as you see, I'm the backup tour to Mr. Johnson. You see this gentleman on the screen here right now? That is Louis Silva, oldest brother that built the hotel. His presence is still here as well. Uh, I have Mr. Johnson's history book. I'll show everybody some cool pictures. That's the Silbach suite. So Louis Silbach, when he opened up the hotel, he and his wife lived in that room. He designed that room for them. He lived in there for 20 years. He passed away on March the 25th, 1925. And he was documented as dying in his apartment on the ninth floor. So the two most popular ghosts, of course, of this hotel, the lady in blue, we will be talking about her story. Now, Mr. Johnson is not a believer. I am. Larry's story, he started in 1982 as the captain of the bellman and concierge. In 1987, a uh, assistant bellman of his produced a newspaper article to Larry stating that a woman was found in an elevator shaft in 1936. Larry's article, through the history, and is documented in the book, is not true. So I'm gonna to explain to everybody what the true story is to her. Um, she was a clue on the Jeopardy game show in the year 2003 on Halloween night. How many ghosts have you ever heard make the Jeopardy game show? So of course, Waverly Hills, most haunted place in Kentucky, we're number two. Uh, we just were on another survey from US News World and Report one of the top 27 most haunted hotels in America. So throughout the history of this building, a lot of different things have happened, and no one has the stories of this building that I have. So you folks are a very few amount of people that I actually get to spend time with. I only do two to three of these tours a week. And you all are my second tour, and I only have two more days of work. So understand you all are a special group of people. You get to spend time with me that I get to take to the building. Now, we do not charge a fee for the tours. The tours are complimentary. People ask, oh, is it a charge? No, I don't charge for the tours. Can I tip you? Gratuity is an option if you want to. You don't have to. I'm not here for that. 
My main job is uh, guest services, okay? I'm telling you, Patrick is such a sweet and straightforward man. When I first met him, I knew he had a lot of stories. Even before I knew who he was, I just read the word security and then his name. I knew that this was the guy that I needed to talk to. He proceeds to continue the tour by giving us more of the hotel's history. And then we hit the first hotspot, the ballroom. And it's here where Patrick and other people have claimed to have seen orbs and even apparitions of people in and around this ballroom. There's even been people who've claimed to hear music, dining, and even dancing. But when they open the doors into the ballroom, nothing's there. Just complete Total darkness. Now I'm gonna cut down the lights, and as everyone films, I would like everybody to focus on the chandelier area. One of the most interesting encounters that I had with a psychic medium uh, occurred in the ballroom here. So uh, this lady and her husband, I met them. They were from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, we're on the way home from St. Louis, stopped uh, overnight. Uh, she had no idea about the Silbach and the haunted history. Uh, so of course she immediately picked up energy at 4 p.m. in the afternoon. So of course, as you see, I come to work at 11 at night and she was waiting on me uh, to do a tour. So I brought her and her husband into the room. Uh, the room was totally empty. Walls are open, no furniture. I put up the lights, describe the room. So she started channeling energy. And she said, Patrick, can I sit under, sit under that chandelier to the far right? I said, sure. So as she's meditating in the dark, and I'm standing to the side with her husband, she informs me that she's channeling a Native American burial ground hundred feet beneath the ballroom floor. Now, of course, as we know, there are Native American burial grounds all over. You see Native American murals in the lobby. The peace transition from George Rogers Clark and Thomas Jefferson and all of them. Uh, and as she's challenging the Native American burial ground, the next thing she said, Patrick, there's a woman in a blue dress talking to me. And she's telling me that she loves you and she's waiting for you in the afterworld. And my mouth dropped immediately. Uh, I've got some, uh, what's going on? I just bring in another guest. All right. Hi. So uh, yeah, there's energy orbs and apparitions and things like that. Uh, right now I've got a few little goosebumps. I'm gonna walk under this chandelier Something's pulling me over here right now. And a lot of times as you film in the dark, now when we go to the oak room and the 10th floor, the oak room and the 10th floor, the most intense areas. And you'll see the chandeliers changing color. You may see uh, an anomaly uh, going across the room. It's regular movement manifestation here. We were given a short tour around the ballroom. We were able to walk around and see if we could collect anything. I didn't pick up much on any of my cameras, nor in my audio. 
but you definitely felt a sense of uneasiness and heaviness in the room. Could it be because of the wiring that surrounds the place? Who knows? But after we took the tour of the ballroom, we soon went downstairs to one of the most beautiful areas in the sealback, and that is the Rathskeller. It's a subterranean area which is not truly known for its haunted past. You see, it was built in 1907, not long after the hotel first opened. But man, is it filled with the most interesting gothic design elements. It is now the Sealback's event venue. The Rathskeller is the world's only room made from rookwood pottery, and its designs were hand-drawn on the soft clay before firing. Other ornamentation includes depictions of all 12 zodiac signs, plus ominous pelicans, which could be a symbol of death or even self-sacrifice. But as Patrick leads us into the Rathskeller, he shows me a series of photographs that were taken of him in certain areas of the hotel, especially the Rathskeller. It seems as though in every picture he's in, there's some weird anomaly that projects itself around him. It certainly lends the fact that Patrick Rhodes definitely has psychical abilities. He mentions this as he talks about his path into spirituality and his family bloodline as he leads me and my friend Anne-Marie into the Rathskeller. Now, you'll also hear Anne-Marie. What I love about her is that she is a skeptical psychic. Never thought I would meet one until I met her, but she definitely has abilities and she felt a tremendous amount of energy throughout this entire tour. So you'll definitely hear what she picked up throughout our walkthroughs in certain hotspots of the Sealback. Let's go back and hear what Patrick has to say about his abilities and certain areas of the Rathskeller. Side of that wall. You see the yep. trail all the way through my leg. Yeah, right there. And right there. All over me. Um, and it happens around you so this much. This is the Rathskeller. So when we go down there, I was doing a tour years yeah. ago. You see all this imagery around my legs? So as I was gathering people for the tour, my legs felt like I, like I was on fire. No. So one of my bartenders uh, was doing the event. And I told her, I said, Christina, grab your phone and take a picture of me. She walked up to me and took this picture just like that. Patrick continues to show me a series of photos with him and other anomalies that manifest around him in past tours. But there's one that he shows me that leaves me completely speechless. But this one was clear as day, a woman standing in front of his camera that looked like she had a blue dress on and long, dark hair. I'll post it on our Instagram to get your opinion. Let me get in the dark of this one. Okay. When you really think about this, this is one of the most interesting pictures I have. That one is, oh my gosh, I, I it get it gives me chills. Now, what do you think this is? Is this the lady, lady in blue? Yes, ma'am. Is this Patricia? Yes, ma'am. And actually, her name is Ruby Pearl Elliott. And that's why she loves you so much, is because you know her name, and yeah. so many people have gotten it wrong. See, Mr. Johnson mm -hmm. has denied her story since night. The story of her. What happened is she has. Uh, Did she family. show you the picture? You have to show them. Oh, you can. Oh, yeah. Oh, you, absolutely. you have to see this picture. We're with her. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. 
So she's very sensitive. Very too. sensitive. All day we were in that room, and she was having. So Even much before trouble. you said anything, she was getting Just like. Very yeah. Did I tell you about the thing? What happened? So I was in there today, and I was on one side of the room, mm -hmm. and I was like trembling, and I don't ever have trouble containing the energy. And then we moved to the other side of the room, where I was actually sitting underneath that chandelier, and I was shaking. Like there was so much energy flowing through me that I was literally shaking and so I found Amy saw it. My friend Courtney witnessed it too, that I was just pulsating and trembling and I was warm. I was so warm that I was taking everyone else was freezing and I'm taking off my sweater and So the story that I explained to you on the with my yes. medium. Yep. Yes. That adds up. Yes. Well, there, there's a lot of energy in there. A lot of energy. Lot What's of really energy interesting is that none of you guys conversed about no. your experiences. That's right. That's right. No. And now they parallel. That is, that's that's right. what I'm looking for. Yes, yeah. Right. That's, that's right. the share. Yeah, right. it does. All right, down to the reps, ladies. Oh, my goodness. You don't ever get scared? Nope. Oh, well, I have been shaking to my core. <laughs> <laughs> for now, a man of the military, you get... Um, man. Basically... My life story and legacy, my mom was raised by uh, her grandmother. My great-grandmother lived to be 105 years of age. Right. Uh, she was a, a Jehovah's Witness, a mm -hmm. woman of God and spirituality. And she used to pray over me as a youngster and tell me that I'm strong and I'm a leader and I'm a protector. And pretty much <laughs> well, you kind of grew up to my, be like that, put yeah. Me right in my... Uh, and your personal yeah, life. Yeah, I was gonna say, she kind of manifest, helped you manifest that. Absolutely. In a way. So uh, I am definitely uh, blessed with spirituality through her. Mm -hmm. Now, um, I have a daughter, and when she was eight years old, yes, ma'am, uh, she awoke me out of, up out of my sleep. Uh, when I was in the military, and telling me that she saw a woman watching her while she was sleeping. I described the woman, an elderly woman, uh, looked like an angel. Wow. And uh, four months prior to this uh, incident, I had lost my great-grandmother. Uh, I have two granddaughters also who are touched in spirituality, so I believe in a legacy of grandparents, parents, overwatching children in the spirit world. And there's a boy spirit that I'm gonna pull out a photo uh, we may catch in the open when we go up there. Okay. All right, so yeah, that's kind of my legacy and I've been blessed and uh, have been, had some divine intervention uh, <laughs> situations through my life and uh, absolutely. So the routine that I have when I walk the hotel is I center myself in my prayers. Uh, the Lord's Prayer, of course, mm -hmm. uh, sign of the cross. And the most documented and said Bible verse in my family legacy is Psalm 23. Every funeral, every eulogy, uh, you know, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, death. so I pray that regularly and uh, respectful with what's here, uh, securing the building and 
and Absolutely. you and they're respectful to you back. Absolutely, yes, ma'am. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Now I have been growled and hissed at by a couple spirits as well. I like how you call them spirits and not diamonds. <laughs> spirits and energy is uh, yeah. what I usually like to describe. Them but they as. could get pissed. They could get pissy. It doesn't Absolutely. mean they're evil. They're just like, you're in my space. Can you please leave? That's right. Mm -hmm. All right. Very cool room right here. Yeah, y'all were here the first night. Let's yeah. Down here. I was looking so fly in the 1920s. <laughs> I love it. Now. Cut down the lights a little bit more. Also, as everyone sees this staircase, I'm going to open up the manager's doors. You can film that office. As we know, this area is called portals, where spirits travel frequently. So the staircase that leads up to the manager's office also used to go up to the open room. So Al Capone has a secret poker room inside of the open room where he would be taken through these doors, bought from two floors up, down into the grass cellar, and he would through the back door, through the back castle doors, and into the sub-basement. So gangsters, bourbon and moonshine, for 13 years prohibition uh, was in America from 1920 to 1933. So that's how the hotel ran. All right, so we did a little investigation in the Rathskeller. It was actually kind of quiet. I had my K2 tripwire and also my spirit box, but we didn't get too much. We soon made our way to the office right above the Rathskeller. We decided to continue with our sessions there, and we came up with absolutely nothing. It was kind of quiet, but I always got the sense that there was somebody or something watching us. Anne-Marie confirmed my feeling and said that it was mainly coming from the area where Capone's passageways were. It was a very dominant energy, kind of like a bodyguard, someone who's always on the lookout. We expressed this to Patrick, and he said, yes, people have seen what they claim to be is someone from that time period of the 20s and 30s. It looks like he's a lookout man dressed in a suit, but he doesn't say much, doesn't do much. He just stands either outside or inside the study, keeping an eye on things. Finally, we're taken to Al Capone's Oak Room. Yes, this is the alcove where many people have claimed to see quite a few apparitions. And Patrick continues to show me more pictures of what people have collected on tour. There's even one of an image of what appears to be a child roaming around the room. Now, this is where the tour actually gets a little more interesting. There's another death on the property? Apparently so. I can't find any evidence or any articles in regards to a little boy passing on the property of the Sealback Hotel. But according to Patrick, where you'll listen to him later talk about this, there is a death of a child that occurred on the second floor of the Sealback Hotel. And since his passing, people have actually started to see his apparition, mainly in and around the Oak Room, running in and around the kitchen, the alcove, and the second floor. Patrick has seen him and heard him and has felt him pull on his jacket and the sleeves of his coat. Not only that, it turns out that Patrick may have also captured an image of this little boy. But after he tells us this story, 
he closes the tour with the most famous legend of them all in the sealback, and that is the Lady in Blue. Now, there are several versions of her tragic tale, which Patrick will definitely cover. So let's listen to what he has to say about these other two apparitions that are seen in and around the Oak Room. So I was doing a tour with a, a paranormal couple, couple mm-hmm. about five years ago. Yeah. Because you see the columns there. Yeah. <gasps> there he is. He looks like a, <laughs> he kind of looks like a gnome. <laughs> he does, right? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Looks like a doll. Yeah, you got to see it. Look at him right there. It he looks like, like he, a little doll. Yeah, he runs to the oak room. Oh, my gosh. Through the kitchen. I believe mm-hmm. that he died on the second floor because as you exit the yoke room, mm-hmm. on those other set of elevators, there's a staircase up there. So he runs from there mm-hmm. down yeah, right. across the mezzanine. Does he have a name or has he ever spoken to you too? I have not. He has not spoken to me. He has touched me. Wow. Uh, Mr. Westrick, the oak room captain, warned me of my first... Uh, travels is security. He said, you're going to encounter this little boy. And I guarantee you, he'll probably touch you and grab on your suit jacket. <laughs> so probably three weeks later, I'm walking the Oak Room, 3.30 in the morning, checking everything. And from behind me, my suit jacket's getting pulled and it turned around. There's nothing there. So he's pretty precocious Absolutely. in a way. Yes. We leave out candies and things nice. for him. Are you confident to say that a lot of the entities here are not negative or? Yes. Okay. I would say the majority are positive spirits. And you don't ever feel like you're in danger. Is that correct? When I have felt it. You felt the, it? On the 10th floor and then the Rathskeller in particular. So the 10th floor and the Rathskeller is where you felt? Most intense energies that I've felt in the Silbacher. Pretty much, uh, and here as well, uh, the Oak Room, the 10th floor, and the Rathskeller. Absolutely. Now, on the 10th floor, what's there again? We have a ballroom upstairs. Now, originally, when the hotel was opened in 1905, mm-hmm. the 10th floor was an open-air rooftop patio garden oh. for the first seven years. And then as they developed the hotel, they needed the ballroom, so covered up the roof. I experienced many anomalies up there uh, with my naked eye and apparitions. And upon my investigation and speaking with our historian, uh, Mr. Johnson, he produced a newspaper article uh, from 1912 uh, that stated three construction workers uh, died on the roof of a seal box for construction. Apparently fell off of a scaffolding 60 feet in the air. Wow. So I feel pretty sure that those are the energies up there. Now also, uh, I'm going to show you Louis Silbach's story too. And his Mm -hmm. documentation of passing away in the hotel. Okay. Have you filmed the ball yet? No, not yet. Yeah, filmed that glass. This is the area. This in the back corner bar. Ooh, I just got a wave of bumps too. Mm-hmm. In 1907, it was called a gentleman's parlor. 
men and women had separate parlors in the early days. Ladies had the second floor. Of course, this is for the guys. So the original function was billiards and poker. You'll see the pool sticks over there. We used to have tables there. We still utilize that cocktail bar. Now you have four main employees of the Oak Room as we entered the foyer. There's a, a bar out there. So we had a lead bartender. By the entry doors here is the manager's reception office. The chef, uh, still to this day, uh, behind the Oak Room walls there. Uh, our kitchens and stoves, refrigeration, dishwashing, walk-ins, everything. And then they had a lead captain of service. So this is the Al Capone room behind us. Uh, right there, the brothers named the room in his honor. Uh, inside of the room is a two-way mirror that was installed. There's a door to the left of the mirror where you would enter behind the uh, two-way mirror. And the door to the right of the mirror, you'll see Caddy Corner next to his poster board. That was the door that was taken to go underneath the Rapsco. So they had a signaling system back during Prohibition. Those two pocket doors right there, they used to open and close by a spring-loaded button from outside of the room. Now the stories were, were he used to like to face the mirror so he could see everyone's hand. And the lookouts would signal the oak room and say, the cops are on the way. They press that button, these two doors close together. And he would get up and take that door and be taken under the rascal and of course into the tunnels. Now he was followed by the FBI for three years in the heat of prohibition. He made $63 million in 1920. <laughs> to translate that money into today's money. So the Silverback Brothers, all the gangsters and bootleggers are making millions of dollars on Kentucky bourbon and moonshine. Uh, you see the rooms all original, original plaster in the ceiling, the vents. You pulled up the carpet, the original uh, oak is still under the floors here as well. Now, these are the only two doors that I have never been behind. Unfortunately, in 1981, uh, they did a renovation beneath us, which is between the Rathskeller and the Oak Room. The fire ignited and came up that stairwell and burned out the back of the room. So, yeah, I'm, but when they do open those doors, I'm gonna be the first one standing there. Because if we open that door, we will fall to the rascal from the stir whips burning down. We've already had the lady in blue falling. And now I'm gonna, so yeah, I'm gonna get into her story right now, kind of clear up some things. Now there's three different versions of the lady in blue, which uh, the photo that I showed you of the woman in the blue dress was over there by the bar. Yeah. So when I asked when people filmed this room. Film that cocktail bar and that back wall all along the pool sticks. Now, apparently, in 1936, a young woman's body was found by a housekeeper on July the 14th of 36. Um, her name was thought to be Patricia Wilson, which later her name was actually Ruby Pearl Elliott. 
Uh, as I mentioned, Mr. Johnson has her story documented in the book. She's all over the hotel on the poster boards and information. Uh, most popular ghosts in Kentucky. And she's around and uh, we might see her tonight. You never know, she might be around right now. I'm gonna cut these lights down a little yeah. bit. Have you ever seen her? Yes. I'm gonna show you a picture right now. Patrick pulls up the photograph that he showed me before the tour. Close to the end of the tour, we didn't pick up much from the Oak Room, but myself, Anne Marie, and one of her friends ended up sitting with Patrick as Patrick pulled out Larry Johnson's book of the Sealback Hotel's history. In it, he goes and explains the rest of the deaths that occurred on the property, especially that one of Louis Sealback. Then he proceeds with more of the historical correction of the Lady in Blue's name, which ended up being Pearl May Elliott. Louis Silbach Sr. dies 1925. The death of Louis Silbach Sr. on March 18, 1925 was a sad day for Louisville. Silbach passed away in his apartment at the hotel. So as you see, documented dying in the building. He's here. Wow. He likes me, likes what I'm doing. He thinks that you're doing a good job. Yeah, he likes me. So they move my friends in the uh -huh. room. They move my friends too. Uh -huh. Let me see what happened. My friends what? are in eight ten. Oh shit. <laughs> they moved them to eight ten. Are they investigators oh. as well? Yes. Well, that's perfect. And I have to say, they have not been. They have not been feeling well or themselves since they've been here. And they've been missing half of the conference because they have not been themselves and we've been really worried about them. Whoa. Mm. Legit. Legit. What are they feeling? They're just not themselves. No, like, they're tired. They're they tired. They look depressed. They're not happy. They're just, they're not themselves. Wow. Evan, who never takes a nap, yeah. has been sleeping. And the only reason he got up today is because his wife made him get out of bed. Yeah, so I can kind of relate to that. Uh, during my uh, days of work, sometimes I have moments of sadness and mm -hmm. things. Uh, of course, the pressure from feeling them being touched, stomach turning. Uh, oh, yeah, a lot of different things. So I, I, I relate to what they're uh, experiencing. Yeah, that's normal. Wow. Especially a lot of times when I bring people up here, as soon as they come off these elevators the pressure on the chest. Uh, there's a couple of rooms up here. So in the back corner, there's eight rooms. Uh, throughout my uh, security history, uh, there have been reports of activity in 10 floor rooms. Two different women within a probably year and a half uh, span from 2018 and 2019. These women were staying here for a week. Uh, both of them uh, came running off of the elevators to the lobby, saying that they were held down and pressed in the bed, trying to get out of the bed. Oh my gosh. Uh, I had a lady on the eighth floor in the middle of the hallway in room 820 about uh, four years ago. Uh, her and her husband uh, were here for four days. 3.30 in the morning, she felt someone sit on the bed and a hand went under the cobblers and grabbed her ankle and started pulling her leg. And she 
freaked out and you know woke up her husband and I happened to meet them about this time walking my rounds and she asked me, sir, are you work here? I said, yes, I'm security. What can I do for you? And she told me her experience. So these things, being touched, grabbed, all different type of things happen to people around her. So. Have you had anything in 805? Now, not particularly. Uh, 05, 10, 20, 830, 32. So there's, I think it's her bouncing from rooms. Wow. So, she doesn't have one particular room. But she's, she's just... been reported in rooms on the third floor. What? In rooms on the sixth floor. And on the seventh floor. She's everywhere. <laughs> she's like, everywhere. I have no limitations. Everywhere. This is my I have a hotel. Yeah. So this is know, me. Yeah, this is all me here. <laughs> yeah, her, see, her story is just now. Her story is just now being told. That's amazing. Right. Since 1936. Do you feel like you were the one that was meant to help fix it? Yes, for sure, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, I just got goosebumps <laughs> when I said yeah. that. <laughs> I'm going to show you a quick uh, video that I did. Now, of course, uh, during the Halloween season, mm -hmm. we pick up for tour requests, and Mr. Johnson and I did an interview for the hotel with our local newspaper. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna pull this up for us real quick. Everybody check this out. Has welcomed famous and infamous guests since 1905. This elegant building inspired author F. Scott Fitzgerald during his writing of The Great Gatsby. The notorious gangster Al Capone and his mobsters spent many nights here. And there are also many accounts of paranormal activity, especially at night when security manager Patrick Rhodes looks after the Grand Hotel. There's been documented people that have actually died in the hotel, besides the lady in blue. Uh, there's an elderly man that's been reported through the history that wanders the ninth floor. So I'm a firm believer that his uh, spirit remains here at the hotel as well. Nicest room in the hotel. During his 15 years at the Sealbach, Rhodes has reported orbs of light, doors opening and closing, flickering lights, and sudden cold energy sightings of the lady in blue who fell to her death in an elevator shaft. People regularly visit the Seabach Hotel specifically to experience its supernatural energy. Mediums, ghost hunters, and witches have all visited and asked Rhodes to take them on a late night ghost tour. Kirby Adams, Louisville Courier Journal. That's amazing. So I am the only person in the history of this hotel that's went on record in an interview and said she's here and Louis Silbach's spirit. You can confirm that, yeah. Absolutely. Now she fell to her death. I keep on hearing that she fell to her death. Was it an accident or was it, was that there is, any? That is the, uh, that is the remaining uh, piece mystery. Of the... Wow. Uh, three different versions. One went 
she may have thrown herself down the shaft because okay. her ex-husband was killed in a car accident on the way they were going to reconcile that was a long-standing story since 36 seven years ago a lady that does these true crime author stories mm -hmm. came up with a description of her being thrown down the elevator shaft by a jealous ex-boyfriend who was <laughs> a serial killer in 1936 named <laughs> Harry Denhart. And then, as I mentioned, with her family coming to Louisville, they replaced her headstone. Yeah. So she has one remaining descendant that's uh, representing her estate and her niece lives in uh, Kansas. So she's buried at a cemetery called Evergreen Cemetery a few miles away from the hotel. So the family came uh, six years ago to replace her headstone. Wow. They never been in the cell box, they checked in, they bought Larry's book. And of course, as you see, here's her story saying in the book that her name was Patricia Wilson from Oklahoma. Oh, but she was Ruby Pearl. And that was not her name. Her name was actually uh, Pearl May Elliott. Oh, Pearl May. Pearl, Pearl May. May Elliott. Whoever's Ruby Pearl from? I thought it was. That is, a, that is another family member of her. Oh, okay. Yes, her so, sister. Uh, uh, yes, her sister. That's her. where I got it confused. I thought yes. it was Ruby Pearl, but, but her name was Pearl, Pearl May, May Elliott. Elliott. Yes. And is that the correct name that they put on the headstone? Yes. Oh, thank God. Absolutely. Let me see, I might have a picture of her headstone. So also along with this, the representative of the family historian mm -hmm. who brought together the story. Now, uh, I'm gonna present you this uh, article about the updated information. My biggest question is, how did the publication come up with Patricia Wilson? Was it just mistaken identity? Was it that bad of an accident? But then Patrick pulls out his phone and shows me a link to findagrave.com. In it, there's a page that actually goes into great detail. And here's her story. Known to most Louisvillians as the Lady in Blue of the Sealback Hotel, Pearl May Elliott was born in Davenport, Oklahoma in 1910 to Annie and Albert Elliott. Pearl was the second of the Elliott's four children. Older brother Frankie Lee Elliott was born in 1906. Younger brother John Elliott was born in 1913. And younger sister Ruby Faye Elliott was born in 1915. All the children were orphaned by 1919 and were placed in foster care. Pearl may have married a man named Charles B. Wilson or L.B. Wilson prior to moving to Louisville, Kentucky in 1934. She changed her name from Pearl to Patricia. In 1936, Pearl died in a tragic accident by falling down an elevator shaft at the Sealback Hotel. She was known to friends and neighbors as Patricia Wilson at the time of her death. And in 2018, Pearl's surviving family members discovered that Pearl was buried at Evergreen Cemetery in Louisville and came to Louisville to mark her grave with a headstone. Pearl May Elliott, 
a.k.a. Patricia Wilson, 1910 to 1936. Towards the end of our tour, we said thank you to Patrick. Anna Marie and her friend ended up exiting to their room as I walked down to the lobby with Patrick so he can escort me out of the seal pack. Like a true Southern gentleman, we had taken a couple of pictures by the staircase, exchanged a few more stories, and then by the end, we gave each other one great big abrazo, a big hug. <laughs> He's such a teddy bear. But as he was walking me out of the exit, I had to ask him one more question. I didn't record it, but I needed to know from his perspective, did you happen to find the seal back or did the seal back find you? He laughed and he said, I think we found each other. Sometimes places or people are meant to be in our lives and this place was meant to be in my life. Whether or not I was meant to help Pearl May Elliott, my destiny and my future is here. Not only to help take care of this hotel, but also to take care of those that you can't see. That fulfills part one of Haunted Louisville, the haunted Sealback Hotel, with the hotel's head of security and ghost whisperer, Patrick Rhodes. If you're ever in and around Louisville, you must stay or even visit, have a cocktail or maybe a shot of whiskey at the Sealback Hotel. Definitely meet up with Patrick Rhodes and take one of his late night haunted walking tours within the hotel's walls. And you must definitely go and catch the sights of the Rathskeller. It is a must-see and a time warp. All right, a huge, huge thank you to Patrick Rhodes, head of security of the Sealback and the Sealback's Ghost Whisperer. Thank you so much, Patrick, for taking the time to sit and speak with me, for conducting these walking tours and sharing your stories along with the beautiful history and haunted history of the Sealback. Thank you for taking care of the hotel and its ghosts. If you want more Haunted Louisville stories and you want to continue with part two as we head to Caulfield's Novelty and Costume Shop, guys, this is where it gets better. We sit down with the staff as we talk about their possible five apparitions and a doppelganger. Tour the most haunted floor with me, the third floor with their manager, Cindy, and you wouldn't believe what I come across within the shop. It gets so spooky so weird and most definitely holly weird now if you're not following the podcast um you should this is a sign synchronicities hello you should follow us on facebook and instagram at hollyweird paranormal and on twitter at hwp podcast we're also on threads under hollyweird paranormal as well and feel free to join me on many more of my haunted adventures and storytelling on my TikTok page at Haunted LA Girl. Of course, if you have a ghost story you're dying to share with us, no pun intended, for a listener's tale episode, please submit them at hollyweirdparanormal at gmail.com. You can record your story using your voice memo, or you could write it down, type it up, and just ship it to us via email. We love getting them so we can organize them for another delicious episode because we love doing those episodes. 
Okay, but you mentioned Patreon in the very beginning. If you're not a Holly Weird Patreon member, then this is a good time to join. For as little as $1 or more per month, you can actually access our secret podcast society through Patreon, which is called Saturday Night Ghost Club. I've uploaded episodes of ghost stories that we've collected from our coworkers, our friends, even strangers on the street, and compiled them into this little secret podcast society just in case you need need more haunted tales. And on top of that, please submit your address after signing up for our Patreon so we can send you Holly Weird Paranormal treats. We got pins, magnets, and even coasters along with other goodies to send your way. Plus, we'll be uploading more videos that I had taken in Louisville and a lot of these locations along with my investigation at the Waverly Hill Sanatorium. That is the treat for all of our Holly Weird Patreon members. It's as little as $1 or or more per month to support Hollywood Paranormal Podcast. The money goes to our hosting site. It goes to feed our coffee addictions, to fulfill a lot of these episodes, the gas to go to these locations. It really goes a long way. And we really thank each and every one of you guys who are supporting or have supported the podcast. You can actually stop the donations anytime. And like we said, a little does go a long way and it really, truly 100% helps. Now we have some Patreon shout outs on the way that need to be fulfilled. A big, big thank you to our new Patreon members. If we haven't thanked you, um, thank you to Morgan Scott Joe Robin and Guadalupe, thank you guys so much for donating and supporting Holly Weird Paranormal Podcast. You'll definitely enjoy a lot of the audio and the video, of course. So definitely keep an eye out for the Waverly Hill Sanatorium episode that will be released this weekend, along with the video footage. Want to learn a little more about Hollyweird Paranormal Podcast? Then head on over to our website, www.hollyweirdparanormal.com. There you will read our bios, um, listen to past episodes and seasons, and also shop our merch store through that website. And you can click on our Patreon page and learn a little more about the Patreon benefits. Finally, if you have a couple of minutes to spare, please drop us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Drop us that five-star rating. Write us a little review. That goes a long way for us indie podcasters out here in these streets. And finally, guys, we hope that you are taking care of yourselves. We hope that you have a wonderful summer and we look forward to dropping some more amazing episodes for Halloween to come. Of course, take care of yourselves, take care of each other. And most of all, stay cool and stay Holly weird till next time. Friends take care.